know what that's doing there. Maybe it'll go. Um, so we've finally arrived, haven't we? We've, um, you know, you've done the keyboards, you've done the drums and bass, but finally we've got to electric guitar. Uh, so, it'll be interesting to find out a little bit about where you're coming from in a, in a minute. Uh, let me introduce myself first of all. My name's Rich Bull, I'm the electric guitar player in Trent, who uh, we've been in the big top this week. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about where I'm coming from, just personally sort of, you know, debunk any myths about, you know, my ability and where I've come from and my journey and things. Um, talk a little bit about the role of electric guitar in worship, certainly how I see it anyway. And what you'll pick up through this session is this is very much my story and my perspective on this. And what I want really you to do in many ways is to discover your own, you know, voice and perspective in sort of electric guitar playing. This isn't certainly, this is how you do it and I have it right. This is simply, you know, my journey and what I've ended up doing. And particularly in the, the context of being in the, the band I'm in and the friends that I play with. And then we'll talk about equipment and getting a sound and I'll talk you through again just, just how I do it and then maybe we can share some ideas, hopefully have lots of time for questions. Um, I'll get to play you some music that I like, some clips of things that have inspired me. And um, yeah, let's make it very interactive. Um, I don't know what you're looking from this. I mean, it'd be interesting, first of all, how many uh, people here actually play guitar? It's everyone. How many people are probably better than me? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're going to talk about, yeah, those guys at the back. <laughs> um, essentially, uh, I'm based in Nottingham with Trent. We uh, lead worship two Sundays a month. Uh, I'm not a, a full-time guitar player. I never have been. Uh, I started playing in my early teens. Uh, became a Christian in my late teens and started playing in church a bit. Uh, was involved in a Baptist church for a couple of years and used to play in a Baptist church with about 100, 150, 200 people maybe and struggled with all those issues of volume um, and how you deal with volume, how you, you know, live with electric guitar in church, which, you know, is... I, I think incredibly problematic for most people. The you know, essence of what I think an electric guitar does in worship is very difficult to implement in small churches, and that's maybe something that we can discuss and have some questions about. Um, but I was very lucky. I then played in a band through my years at college, and you know, we did okay. We never, never was full-time, uh, which is very hard to do in the, in the Christian world. Always hold down a job at the same time. Uh, about 12 years ago, felt called my wife and family to move to Nottingham, uh, gave up playing in a band and stopped sort of playing for a year or so, and then, you know, met Nigel and the whole vision of worship at Trent Vineyard, and started playing again in worship and have been doing so for the last 10, 11 years, and, and absolutely loved it. And, you know, it's very much about, you know, we play as a band, and it's all about us together, and you know, I've been very fortunate that the way I naturally play is what works in the band, that, you know, the sound that we were looking for. So no one's told me ever what to play. They've told me to play in time, perhaps better, or, you know. <laughs> but essentially, I've been left to, to do my own thing, and it just so happens that my natural style fits in with what we're trying to do. And, 
you may have a very different natural style, and I want you to encourage you to define that and to encourage your sound and what you do. I, you know, the biggest compliment I think anyone can give you is when, you know, it's not you sound like The Edge or you sound like Dave Gilmore or Not Floor or whoever, but it's like, you sound like you. You know, when I hear you play or hear an album that you've played and it's like, I can tell it's you playing. That, for me, is, is one of the goals, really. Um, I mean, some heroes and inspirations for me are... I started playing in the sort of late 80s, early 90s. It was the tail end of Dire Straits, probably. Bruce Springsteen was very big at the time. So it was those kind of guys. Uh, Dan, there was a whole Britpop thing in the 90s, so I absolutely loved... Uh, Noel Gallagher, I loved Bernard Butler, some real great guitar players. And, you know, it was a real heyday when I was sort of in bands in the 90s. For me, it was at university, it was a heyday of guitar bands. And I guess even the whole ethos back then of guitar playing and bands was it was about fitting into a, a band. It wasn't about being a virtuoso lead player where the guitarist in the band, it's all about, you know, let's get the verse and chorus out of the way and cut to the guitar solos. You know, you may never have a guitar solo in a, in a song. If the song doesn't need it, but if, if it needs it, great, but it doesn't have to be there. Um, you know, the people that inspired me were songwriters who played guitar or band members. And I think some of that has, has put me in good stead for playing in a worship band where, you know, it's really not about the guitar player. It's not about any of the individual musicians. It's about creating a, a sound as a whole that works and that serves not just the worship song, but serves the, the congregation. So a quick shout out maybe. Um, who are sort of people's guitar heroes here? Do you want to shout some out? Not Flair? Yeah. Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck. Clapton, Steve Vai. Robert Cray. Say this to you again. Joe Satriani. Fantastic. Gary Moore. Yeah, rest in peace. So, you know, quite a few more blues and sort of influences there. So we can explore how that fits in to worship potential because certainly the, the dominant sound in a lot of contemporary worship music, you know, doesn't lend itself so easy to, the, to, to blues necessarily or to... Um, Saturani, that's a hard one, isn't it, to, to get in, to get that tap solo in? No. <laughs> I'm glad you said it, uh, not me. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, we're going to focus mainly on electric guitar, uh, there's, just because that's what I do. Some of it, you know, it can lend itself to acoustic, but I'm going to focus on electric guitar and how I use electric guitar in worship. So... Some points, uh, first of all, really, um, that I kind of try and live by. You know, part of this going back to the, the heroes, it's like, what inspires you? And if you're you know, not inspired by the electric guitar and absolutely love the sound of it and what it does in, in a band, then my first thing would be just put it down. Don't, don't do it, really. If, you know, it, it's, for me, it's a, it's a heart and a soul thing, uh, more than a a technique and a scales thing. And you'll discover later when I actually pick one up that, you know, my musical journals, I've never learned, you know, any scales particularly. I had classical lessons for a couple of years between 13 and 15 years old. And then I guilted, I was, it just felt like homework doing these classical lessons every night. And uh, I guiltily 
spent my, all my saved pocket money on a, an electric guitar and didn't tell my classical guitar teacher and then sort of skulked off having lessons and, and dropped off, but really just discovered it really, just, just playing in my bedroom. And then when I was 16, 17, at sixth form, there was a guy who wanted to form a band. And uh, he said to me, are you any good? I said, I don't know. He said, can you play bar chords? I said, oh yeah, I can play bar chords. So I went home that Friday night, quickly found a book and learned bar chords that night for the rehearsal the next day. And I uh, could barely move my hand by the, by the end of the next day. Uh, so learn bar chords is, um, you know, this is an electric guitar workshop. So if it was an acoustic guitar workshop, we'd say, pick up a capo, it doesn't matter. Go and see Nigel. But this is a proper electric guitar workshop. <laughs> learn the chords. <laughs> okay, first of all then, you are a worship leader. It isn't... You know, again, this is, this is a vision, and I know that in all the, our band sessions, we've all been saying this, so this is a, a message that we're going to ram home. We believe in Trent that every single member of the band, every musician, is a worship leader first and foremost. So, um, you know, it's not a worship leader and a bunch of session musicians. We're, we're friends, we're worshippers, you know, and that's what it's about. So how I play guitar, I'm engaging in worship, you know, I'm trying to give my best to God, I'm trying to play as well as I can and to get the best sound that I can. But first and foremost, it's not about me coming up with the great solos or parts. It's about me leading worship. And it may be that the sound that I get facilitates it. It may be that certain, you know, you know, I have my sort of magic little sounds that I think, you know, for me, are little worshipful moments and they contribute to the, to the whole. So you're not just an electric guitar player in a band, you're a worship leader as well as the, the drummer, the keyboard player, you know, even the bass player. <laughs> it's for you, Phil. <laughs> um, role of electric guitar, this is, you know, for me what, what excites me, it's what kind of the electric guitar actually brings to the band. For me, it brings energy, it brings dynamics, it brings voice, and it brings passion. You know, you've got the... The bass and drums, you know, if you were in Matt's session earlier, it's about, or Phil and Adam's the other day was about, it, it's locking everything down, it's there. Keys might fill in the gaps if appropriate, if not, fine, you know, option extra. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, once everything's in, it's the guitar that's going to, the electric guitar that's in the kind of music that we're playing is going to give the difference in the, in the choruses and the and the, the riffs and things. So I've got a few little clips to play you of music that, for me, illustrates some of those dynamics. So let's, uh, if all this works, let's cut to here. This, uh, this is a great album. This uh, Jenny Lewis album from a, a couple of years ago had uh, a track with Elvis Costello on, but... You know, in terms of just an acoustic guitar, bass and drums, just the way the electric guitar just kind of sits in there and gives the energy. Very well, but it just, just gets you in the gut for me. It just gives that energy and passion. But it doesn't all have to be um, sort of loud and, and noisy. Uh, what else have I got? This was um, this is from the more country blues thing. Uh, 
is uh, one of my favorite guitar players called Doug Pettibone that plays with Lucinda Williams. And again, it's just, you know, the drums, bass, acoustic guitar are just sitting there, but it's that little electric and a very simple electric part just sitting over it, just giving that, that texture. When we slept together in the blue behind your eyelids, baby. Sweet baby. Maybe he doesn't want to stop it. He shouldn't really stop this, should we? Let's see what's going on here. There we go. So, I mean, just watching that for me illustrates, you know, I almost don't need to say anything more. I'd simply just watch Buddy Miller play, basically, and just translate that to your own, you know, situation. He's in there at the beginning playing something very simple, just some open chords, just, just sliding an open chord around. He's just found a great sound, great tone to his playing. In the verses, he's just out. He's just touching the odd little string here and there, but just doing very, very simple playing, but just adding all the texture and dynamics and that for me is what I try and do with electric guitar I don't obviously always achieve it but that, that's what I'm aiming for Other, um, so that's for me is the role uh, less is more kind of is, is key just a couple of illustrations of that again it's you know if we're ever in doubt that this is about ability what am I looking for I mean, listen to this. There it is. It defines the song, but it's just, uh, just playing it one chord. Just, but it just found a fantastic sound and part to it, and this is, you know, from my old 90s days again. It's just a G and D, you know, but again, just a really nice, clean, Telecaster, sharp, bright sound, got a bit of delay on it and it's just holding the song together and it, it just sounds lovely and really memorable so that's uh, you know, less is more serving the song, fitting into the band, for me these are key elements of what the electric guitar is trying to do um, and some of that comes down to this issue of riffs and parts you know, not just um, just whittling away but actually you know, if you're playing a song regularly, find a part for it, find something that, that's memorable, that's a hook that you can keep coming back to. And actually, you, you find in many cases, defines the song. We've got, I can't remember which song it is now. It might have been Glorious Life. But uh, I sort of have a, just a little line at the beginning. And I remember after we'd sound checked, walking into the toilets in church and someone was humming it. And I was like, that's it. Someone humming your guitar part in a toilet. <laughs> I've arrived. 
But it's if you can come up with something that's really memorable, you know, catchy, you know, it can be very simple. It can just be a, two chords, like the start to Can't Cry Anymore, which is the G and D, or the Arcade Fire song, which is just, just an open G, just banging away with a great sound. So that's kind of riffs and parts that I'm looking for. Uh, solos. We should um, deal with the issue of guitar solos, I think. Um, we'll, we'll have some questions about how we do this, but there's a, there's a couple of ways to illustrate, I think, good and best practice here. So um, you're going to have to forgive me if you're easily offended. You, some of you may be familiar with this. This is, well, you decide whether this is how to do, do it or not. Do you feel that in collaboration with David, that you are afforded the opportunity to express yourself musically the way you would like to? Well, I think I do, you know, in my solos. Yeah. My solos are my trademark. So, what's wrong with that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, you know, nothing necessarily wrong with that, but perhaps Sunday morning, Sunday morning in church uh, may or may not go down so well. Um, for me, we do, uh, we're really lucky in a band, actually, because I do get to play some solos and lead parts and things. The way I try and approach and understand that is, does it fit with the song? Does it carry through the energy or voice of a song? Does even you know, the, the solo become part of, of the song? If there's something memorable, simple, nothing too ostentatious or flashy, you know, but is there something that you can just sit there and add something? And I was trying to think of, well, I have a couple of examples actually. Um, let's have an old classic example, first of all. Let's... Well, we could stop there, couldn't we? <laughs> In my mind, that's, you know... For me, it just, it just sits there, it's part of the song, it just flows out of the, 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 the chorus, it's just beautiful, and the, and the tone, it's all, it's all there. A, a more modern example, I think, I mean, thinking of a sort of contemporary rock bands and who's out there that I think is using electric guitar really well, for me, that I look to for a bit of inspiration in terms of what we do as a worship band, I think is, is, or, is, it, is or are the killers. And... Um, there's another song of theirs here, which I think just, again, has a really lovely solo that just flows out of the chorus beautifully. Uh. So I think the uh, guitar player in Killers is, is just fantastic. He's got a terrible haircut. If anyone knows him, he's got this kind of big Brian May thing going on. But in terms of understanding how electric guitar sits in the band, there's, you, know, you can listen to the uh, first two albums, and I think they're a great modern band, contemporary sound, great sort of electric guitar 
sound going on. So that's really, I guess for me, you know, just listening to some of those again this morning, a real kind of pieces of music that inspire me, uh, make me want to turn out every week for a rehearsal to try and, you know, to achieve for myself some of that, to bring to the band some of that sound, to have a vision to, you know, I'm really, you know, genuinely not listening to any of the, uh, not many Christian guitar players, for example. For me, I'm looking to the, to the greats and trying to copy and emulate and trying to figure out how I can bring the best of those amazing sounds and tones to what we do in Trent. And, um, you know, we do our best. And this final point here is really just be yourself within all of this. You know, I've played to you the music that inspires me as a guitar player, that makes me get out of bed and buy a new amp or a new pedal and trying to, to get some of those sounds. So, you know, I hope that I've inspired you to find your inspiration and the music that, that floats your boat, really. Okay, we're going to get a bit more practical now. I don't know how much, um, you know, on the scale of beginners to experienced world, do I need to sort of talk about the different guitars that you can buy and advantages of one over the other? Would that be useful to anyone? Yeah, a couple of, couple of people. For, I mean, very quickly, you know, for me, the, the guitar almost is the least important part of the... My, you know, in terms of what I do as an electric guitar player, you've got your amp, you've got some pedals, and you've got your guitar. I would rate the... You know, if you have, for example, a pot of money to spend buying some equipment, the electric guitar would be the least important thing I'd be looking at buying because you're... You know, the way I play, anyway, the amp and the, and the pedals are so much more important. I've had you know, relatively cheap guitars and more expensive guitars. And, and a great amp and great pedals make, you know, absolutely level. I can't tell the difference between my, you know, 2,000-pound Telecaster and my 400-pound Telecaster, genuinely. So, um, so that, that's my advice there. If you've got a pot of money, you know, don't necessarily... I mean, you know, within reason, we're not talking about buying a 60-pound what can you buy? A, a stag. I think I've seen stag guitars or something. You know, there, there's a basic level that you need to get to. But if you get into the realms of, you know, Japanese and Mexican fenders and stuff, three, four hundred pounds, potentially just change the pickups and they're going to sound great if they're well set up and things. It, you know, there's other places where the good sounds are going to come from, not the guitar. Um, just. If you're you know, in a privileged position to have more than one guitar, then that's, that's fantastic because you can, you know, there's that kind of holy grail of, is there one guitar that does everything you want it to? And I've concluded that there isn't, really. So I've been lucky over the last sort of 15, 20 years of playing. I have two or three uh, sort of different guitars that, you know, I have around and we have storage space at church so they can be there. And I generally always play with at least two guitars for the simple reason, first of all, if you ever, ever have one electric guitar, you know you're going to break a string for me if I leave one behind. And so there's that issue of having a spare, a spare string or spare guitars, that kind of thing. Um, but essentially, you know, it's who inspires you. You know, if I grew up, you know, the kind of people I was listening to in the 80s and 90s all were playing Fenders, and that's just... I never thought about buying a Gibson. And uh, So I just went out and bought a Strat and then found a 
a strat I discovered Telecasters by accident once and realized that Telecaster uh, pickups sounded how I thought my strat should sound. They just had a bit more bite and energy to them. Uh, so I went with tellies for years and then, you know, wanted to explore tremolo arms and whammy bars and things. So came across a Gretsch, which I really enjoyed and still yet to go there with Gibsons. But it just depends, you know, again, who inspires you, what music you're listening to and, you know, look at your favorite guitar players and copy them. Really, that's what I've tried to do. You know, imitation is the um, highest form of flattery, isn't it? So... Um, Let's, yeah, let's do, because even with a guitar, you know, there's still a huge amount of variety. This is, I never normally have a mic for uh, many reasons. <laughs> We're going to have to start doing the demonstration there. And this, and this is the bit that terrifies me, the room of 40, 50 guitar players, because you know, everyone now is staring at exactly what you're going to be doing. So... Um, okay, so I mean, even just with, I mean, just to prove the point. Um, you know, just, just even just straight into an amp, and this isn't my amp, I've had a, we'll talk about amps in a second, but just in terms of guitars, even, you know, how you use just a guitar. There's a real difference, even just how you use your pickup switch, whatever guitar you've got, use the full kind of uh, options available to you. You know, on a Telecaster with your uh, bridge pickup, which is traditionally sort of a harsher, brighter sound, you know, I use that for more of the, you know, choruses, energy, you know. And that's Cheryl Crow song. I mean, that's all that is, and it just, you know, a telly just into an amp, that's it, job done. And even if that's all you had, you can soften it up and you tone. You know, you can bring variety and texture to your playing just with using an amp and a guitar. Forget pedals and things. Does anyone have any quest specific questions around guitars before we go into amps and pedals and stuff? Maple neck versus rosewood. Oh, that's good. You know, personally, I, all three of my guitars are rosewood necks, and I actually prefer maple. <laughs> <laughs> Just because the guitar I learnt on in my... Um, Teenage years was a maple neck strat, and then the first telly that I ha had, and I still have, is a maple neck, and it's just a comfort thing with a maple neck. But it just so happens that the guitars that have come my way and things are, are rosewood. And actually, you know, a very important question, actually, I can't believe I've not mentioned it with guitars, is forget how it sounds. What does it look like? You know, <laughs> that's very, very important. And um, simply, a white telly like this with a maple neck wouldn't look very nice. It's little the contrast. <laughs> okay, um... Right, let's, um, let's think about 
amps. Very briefly, I mean, this is, this is, this is a tough one, isn't it? Because, um, you know, we all dream of uh, big stacks and things. I mean, if I go, this is, this is my amp on the, the left, the top pad. This is when we did some recording a while back, and you, know, you can see a big high-watt stack there. There's a nice AC30 and a, and a fender in the middle. Um, amp, for me, is where it really starts to happen. I had really bad amps when I first started playing. and just couldn't understand how you got a good sound, get a good clean sound. And you know, the amp gives you the, the core tone, which everything else is going to work from. And when I you know, had enough money to buy a, a decent amp that had a really nice clean sound, everything then made sense. My distortions sounded better and uh, all that kind of thing. You know, issues over, you know, how we make this happen in church is a, is a, is a key issue because, you know, this is, um, this is Ryan Adams' uh, guitar amp that's a big thing. And then if I shoot, you know, you see these kinds of things on, on stage, don't you? This is Edge's guitar amp rig that's immense. And we were driving down listening, watching a killer, uh, Kings of Leon DVD. Uh, and, you know, you see all the big mattresses on stage and we kind of, you know, you know for the men it's, like, it's an extension of their kind of ego, isn't it? You know, the size of your amp. So, but it just doesn't work in church. And I, I've been there, I've had big amps and tried to play them in church. And, you know, if your amp is too powerful, you can't turn it up loud enough in church to get a decent sound. Um, there's modeler amps out there now. I mean, I don't know what people are using and we can we'll have some time for questions in about 10-15 minutes so we can discuss all the practical issues but for me the amp is where it it starts the um you know again research you know your guitar heroes and what what amps they play the internet's amazing if you type in any of your favorite guitar players and type in you know edge guitar rig dave gilmore guitar you can find out what these people are using and it's not going to you know deliver their sound for you but it's you know, if all your favorite guitar players are using Voxes and that kind of Class A type amp, then that's where you need to go to. And that's what my, my amp is, a, a, a quiet version, relatively quiet version of, of an AC30. Um, you can get, you know, you can go with an amp whereby you use all the, the channels. You can get lots of sort of flashy amps. And I've had amps before where all my uh, clean and distorted sounds are off the amp. And... I've just found that problematic and, you know, best illustrated by this afternoon's session really because I've just brought over my guitar and my pedal board. I've never played through this amp before, but yet going into it, I found, you know, it's fine because it's just a clean sound and all my distortions and effects are all based off the board. So, you know, if we had to travel to America tomorrow and I could take one thing with me, I wouldn't even take my, my guitar because I'd be able to borrow anyone's guitar, but it's the pedal board I'd take because that's what's giving the sound. I was going to show uh, the spinal tap clip of the amp and one louder, but we'll, we'll skip that for the second. Because have most people seen that? Yeah, we'll, we'll move that. I mean, this is, uh, this is interesting because we went to see, um, last year went to see Jackson Brown play. And um, in terms of size matters, this was at... Um, 
Sheffield City Hall, so 4,000-seater venue. Two little Fender champs, I think they are. Tiny, tiny little things. You know, so we kind of, I think guitarists have to get over this ego thing of big amps, the idea that somehow that's going to, you know, make a sound better. Actually, it will make you sound worse on the whole because you won't be able to drive the amp to its full capability if you're using valve amps. And, you know, for maybe more beginners, we can talk if you want to ask after about valve versus modelers and all that types of thing. Um, so that's, um, that's Edge's guitar rig, which, yeah. Imagine turning up to church on a Sunday morning with that, putting that in your car. So um, let's, let's talk about pedals then. This was um, the same gig. This was Jackson Brown's guitar player's rig, uh, which is more complicated than I've seen it. On his website, he um, shows a picture of a board with very simple pedals, but we happened to be on the very front row of this gig, and I was a geek and leant over in the break and took a picture. And he's gone the route, and a lot of people are going this route now of uh, housing all pedals in here and then having a switcher router unit that changes things. Um, but very basically, what are pedals, first of all? Well, you know, things that sit on the floor that can just affect your sound, change your sound, give you variety, give you colour, overdrive, distortions, delays, all kinds of wonderful things that you can, you know, have a play with. And for me, they're crucially important because, you know, you've heard, you know, on its own, there's just, you know, just a clean sound. So in terms of doing more with an electric guitar, you've got to find some variety. And that's, you know, Robert Cray, someone mentioned Robert Cray, he did very well with just an amazing clean strat sound all the time. And if that's, again, your passion and vision, and that's the sound you want to go for, then stick with this. But I had a vision to bring a bit more colour and variety to it. So what I'm going to do, I'll plug through my pedal board and I will show you. I've got a... Um, I have another picture here. That's, that's Dave Gilmore's guitar rig from a few years ago. Um, another example of pedal board. Um, this is a, a pedal board of one of my other favourite guitar players, a guy called Nels Klein uh, from a band called Wilco. Um, and this is what I mean, this was on the internet and this was great for me when I was looking at developing my sort of ideas for pedals and sound. I was, you know, googling my two favourite guitar players, Nels Klein and a guy that we heard earlier, a guy called Doug Pettibone. And you can find, you know, geeks like me that when they've been to gigs have taken pictures of pedal boards. And it's all there. It never used to be there 15 years ago when I started. But now you can find anything out. So you can, you know, the people that you like, you can go, oh, that's interesting. Two, two guitar players that I like are both using the same type of distortion pedal or uh, deja vibes and, you know, rap pedals. And these are all pedals that anyone can go and buy. So, you know, you can start to explore and research things. Um, so this is, this is mine. This is what's here. And um, I'll just put this down, plug in, then I'll sort of demonstrate what things do and, and a, a little bit about how I use them.
need that kind of Liam Gallagher thing where I stand about here. Okay, so um, that's, that's the basic sound. There will still be many times where that's all I'm going to do in a song, just, just play a clean sound. Um, so where should we start? First and foremost, I guess it's um, distortion pedals. That's where I begin. I mean, if you, if you have no pedals whatsoever and you just have a clean amp and you want to get a distortion sound, then you need to buy a distortion pedal. So a distortion gives you, think about the, um, the, the killer's uh, track. You know, it gives the, the energy. So I realise this is probably a bit loud, but I'm kind of... I haven't had my amp on stage all week, so I'm kind of enjoying hearing, hearing it. <laughs> so you can spend as much as you like on distortion pedals. Um, I've got two on here. I've got... Um, oh, I can... This is nice, isn't it? I can show. So I've got the, the box in the middle, which is a two-channel distortion pedal, and then I've got the blue one at the back, which is... Uh, uh, another one, a full-time full-drive, and I can... This... That, that pedal there is just a, a switcher. I don't, I won't, let's not worry about that for now. But essentially, I've got two different distortion pedals that can give different sounds. Um, people talk about, you know, having almost like a, a two-stage thing. So you've got your, you know, this is a mainstay sound. Often in verses and chorus of songs, I'll be using this. But, you know, there's that question of, you know, like the spinal tap, where do you go when you um, need to go louder? So I've also got a, uh, a louder one. Which is um, just set for much higher gain. So for so for big songs that we do, I've got a sort of mild distortion, which will be sitting in there a lot of the time. But you know, if in those big choruses I want to just kick it up another gear, then I hit you know the next gain stage. And then I've also got a, a boost pedal just here to make it go even louder. Bruce Springsteen apparently has three guitar pedals, loud, very loud, and even louder. So, um, <laughs> so that's essentially what, what I've got. And again, that's you know, a question of you're your, your playing, you've got your main sound maybe in your verse, and then you've kicked into a different sound in the chorus. You know, when you're going to the solo, where are you going to go? <laughs> you need to go up to 11. Well, that's kind of my 11 pedal. So... So, so clean sound, distorted sound, that's the main sort of area that you can look at. Next area is um, delays, really. Um, delays, you know, kind of from the, the 80s when Edge came along. It just really defined that whole sound. I really started to love delays recently. Um, it's, it's, a, it's hard work trying not to sound like the Edge all the time when you use delays because he has such a signature sound. But, I mean, to illustrate the edge uh, kind of sound. We've got a song called Jubilee, uh, which I think we're going to be... Are we playing that tonight? No. Oh, we're not. Okay, we may be playing it. Um, this is... 
Oh, good point. <laughs> I mean, that's how the song sounds, so when you hear it, you know, this is what you're hearing. So that's what, that's got some distortion on and delay, but, but without the distortion and delay, this is what I'm playing. And that's it, dead simple. But so um, yeah, it's a really nice sort of tool to use. The other um, way I use delays, uh, I've got this lovely uh, box in the bottom right hand corner, it's an even tide, and you can program different delays in. Just for a clean sound, I've got this really nice um, spacey sound that I use for Face Down. I don't know if people are familiar with the song Face Down. It's just this little picky thing. But with a bit more uh, kind of an ambient delay on it. So it just kind of gives an extra texture, really, to things. Um, the other main way I use delay is I link it to this volume pedal over on the left. So this thing here. Um, I've got, um, which again, is just a key feature for me of what I do. And again, I looked into to things, guitar heroes that I liked, Knopfler, Dave Gilmore, found that loads of people use these things. So like, right buy one of them then. Um, and I use it for a sort of a lot of atmosphere and swells, which I really like in worship. So things like this. Uh, for example, we, uh, we played Perfect Sacrifice last night, so I will um, I can demonstrate it with that. really nice little effect actually. You can swell in chords and that kind of thing. So um, I find, I mean that's just, you know, a distorted sound with a bit of delay and a volume pedal and again just that on its own can give you just huge flexibility and variety. Um, the other thing that you can have with pedals is kind of what are called modulation effects. Uh, I've got three. I've got a trem, a phaser, and a deja vibe. So I'll just illustrate those very quickly. Uh, this is the trem. Give some flexibility and variety to the tone. It was after hearing um, 
Radiohead the Bends that I brought a tremolo pedal because you can this pedal has a nice sort of switcher so you can build quite a bit of tension when you bring in the distortion on that effect that you can use. I also have a phaser, which kind of softens things out a little bit. And what's nice is when you start to combine a few effects, so with a bit of distortion and a bit of delay, Again, if you put the tremolo and the phaser together, it's nice. Um, the final modulation I use is, uh, this is a recent purchase, this Deja Vibe at the top. I was, I've had the tremolo and phaser for about 10, 10 years now and was just felt like I needed, uh, Matt was talking about gear acquisition syndrome earlier, I just needed something new to kind of, you know, get me out of my comfort zone a bit, so um, I came across this Deja Vibe, and again, I was just looking on the internet at different options for uh, modulation and found out that a lot of people were using this pedal. Not that one. Kind of fairly similar in some ways to the tremolo, but just has a, you know, just a wobbly little effect that's quite nice. How I've been using this recently, we played, um, been playing Adoration recently, so I thought I would uh, play what I play for Adoration. I need a click to get the tempo. 90, I think it was. Let's slow it down a bit. So, um, how we've been playing Adoration recently is Adoration's a tricky song because uh, it's just A. The whole song, first and chorus, is just is those four chords A, E, F sharp minor, D. So, as a guitar player, it's like, how are you going to make that interesting? Well, you know, there's a. Through playing in two different places, if people are familiar with. Um, the D shape chord here, you can slide this up and you can play chords. So there's an A shape here. And what I've been doing is just um, adding in the, the Deja vibe and some delay. And I'm just letting that kind of ring out as an introduction. It's a really simple little part. I mean, without the effect, it's... But it's just nice with the... Um... 
And in the first, first verse, I'll just be playing the open chords with all that effect on it. And then uh, in the, the chorus then, I can switch out the modulation or leave the end if I want, but then I can switch over to the distorted and then pick a bit more energy up in the chorus. And still keep that fun, or I could soften it out with that. it goes to the, um, the bridge bit, which I have no idea how to sing. And I just follow the melody line. And I think one of the advantages for me, having never learned scales or anything, I'm thinking all the time in terms of melodies. So more often than not, when I'm struggling for something to play, I'm listening to Nigel's vocal and trying to pick out or echo his, um, his melody line. So that's his melody line. So that's what I'm doing there. And then um, there's a big build. So I can start to uh, jangle it on the, the two strings. But then we've got a kind of big build that I've got to kick into. So I've got a couple of choices. Then I can either, you know, hit sort of a boost for a solo or lead part or you know, if you haven't got a boost, even just switching, because at the moment I've just been on a nice soft pickup, keeping it nice and steady. But if I switch to the um, bridge pickup now, suddenly that, that tone shift gives a bit more energy and uh, vitality to me. So that's what I'm kind of thinking of when I'm playing and listening to a song, is trying to break it down, a verse, a chorus part, you know, managing the different effects and trying to align them. The other thing I should just say that's, I meant to say that's essential on any kind of pedal board or anything is this thing here. That's, um, that's my tuner. So whatever you do, have, have a tuner in there. I think we're coming up to a quarter, so I'll, I'll stop talking. I mean, this is all very easy to put together. This looks complicated. This is simply a board. Pedals are just stuck on, you know. The same effect would be gained by just having these pedals loose out of boxes and put in together. There's nothing magical going on apart from these pedals have been velcroed to a board and cables. And it's just, they're in one place all the time, but there's nothing sort of special going on there, really. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to stop talking and see if you've got questions. Uh, hand it over the back first, and then here. I'm actually a sound engineer. Okay. We've got special acoustics Yep. Yep. 
So how how many how big is the church? How many people? Okay. So is the um, so this is the the volume issue. How do you get an electric guitar sounding good in church? I mean, I think it's interesting to see what what amps they're using. You can get very sort of low wattage amps these days. You know, five and ten watt valve amps that. Yeah. To get him to change his amp. <laughs> I, I've had an AC30. Um, you know, it was my dream amp, and I got one. And when we first started playing sort of bigger gigs in church, you know, four or five hundred people going to New Wine with 2,000 people, put my AC30 on stage, and the sound man, the first thing he did was put a screen in front of it. And it just broke my heart. You know, because I, I, I see all my guitar heroes have got these amazing big amps. And you realize that you just can't use them. And you realize half the time they're not using them. You know, I was talking to the sound guy the other day about status quo with all their Marshall cabs, and they're just there for show. And half the time I'm not even sure, even watching Kings of Leon, I'm like, I wonder if they're actually coming out of those matchless amps. I had a, had a matchless as well, and we just couldn't use it in church. And I just gave up. So, I mean, it, we're lucky at Trent Vineyard now because a bit like here, Amps are off stage, and then a sound is monitored. Uh, but I just now have um, a 15 watt. Uh, it's basically half the power of an AC30. It's very similar to that. So I just think, you know, guitar players have to be realistic, and you can't turn into a turn up to a church if even, you know, even here, there's no way they'd, they'd let you have an AC30 on stage running at the volume. So you, I mean, so you change your amp, or you can get power breakers and there are things you can get that can cut the power down but I think realistically it's just get a different amp <laughs> yeah so you can just get perspex screens just, just put in front of it so that could be one option but then it can sort of reflect off it and so the, it's just probably just the wrong amp for the, the venue really that's my pastoral answer <laughs> there's a question down here Yep. Um, yeah, two issues. There is, once you have, you know, so many pedals, if you're going through that signal all the time, then it, it will start to, you know, for us purists, I mean, whether I ever hear, I think you do hear a difference. So why did I bought this thing here? So this is a little router. So actually, my signal's going into a compressor and a boost, but then it's in here, and all these pedals are off this. So it's just going into here to the volume pedal and delaying out. So these three pedals are not in the loop at all, and neither are these two. So I switch them in when I need to. And then I do have, you know, got good quality patch leads. Sadly, within reason, with guitar equipment, you know, as with anything, you do get what you pay for. And I think once, you know, it may not be necessary, but, you know, with patch leads, you can buy, you know, three pounds, you can buy a pack of ten, ten or you can get, you know, custom-made ones that cost 15, 20 pounds a cable. And, you know, it just depends partly how seriously you want to take it and how much money you've got to spend. Yeah. yeah. 
Wow, do you, do you really encounter that? Right, wow. <laughs> well, we <laughs> Matt's at the back, so we shouldn't. He's arrived now, so I can't make my keyboard jokes anymore. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, just, I don't know. I mean, that's a really surprising to hear that that goes on. I mean, I can understand in a, you know, I was in a traditional Baptist church for a while, and, and the worship band would play twice a month, and then the organist would play the other times. And... And in one sense, I'm not sure how you do fight it. You know, we don't want to get into worship wars and big issues. It's trying to find a place, and it may be that, you know, it it kind of depends on your ambitions as a guitar player. Do you want to make it? Do you want to be in a band? Do you want to be out there playing? Certainly, church isn't the place for me to outwork my musical ambitions. You know, if I wanted to be, you know, rich and famous as a guitar player and to make it a living out of it, then, you know, Church isn't the place to do that. We're there to, to serve and to respect the church. I was very lucky within our church that, you know, when we were starting out, they wanted a loud guitar rock sound in the church. And it goes back to, to style. You know, you, you wanted to need to be somewhere where you naturally fit. The church I was in before, the, word, the pastor would just come up and turn my amp down as we were sound checking. And I just stopped playing in church. I just played acoustic in church. And that was about a 200, 250 size Baptist church. And it took a year or two of being in Trent Vineyard for Nigel to like, would you, would you turn it? Would you actually start playing? Because I was terrified of our pastors coming onto the stage and turning me down. It took a couple of years to get out of me. I don't suffer from that problem anymore. <laughs> I've been healed of that one. But... Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure. I think that's a really tough one. If, if simply your vision for worship and music in your church just fundamentally doesn't fit with the, the, the pastors or... Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that, that's tough. I sympathize. I mean, obviously, you know, theologically, there's no, no basis to any of those views. It's, you know, if you talk about the Psalms in the Old Testament, there wasn't, you know, organs, pipe organs in those days, I don't think. Were they, Matt? No. He's on Twitter. Pipe. <laughs> so, yeah. So, come on. Don't. I think, I mean, it's a very good point you made. I mean, it's very easy to make an electric guitar sound awful. You know, cheap amps, cheap distortion pedals. You know, it can just sound really terrible. 
the electric guitar. And it is such a prominent instrument that if you get it wrong, I'm sure, as you say, many people, what they're objecting to is, is just a horrible sounding instrument. And the electric guitar can, can sound horrible if you, if you don't get, you know, a nice tone from your amp and some nice... For me, so I have sympathies with if it's a... It just sounds awful. But if it's the theological issues, then that's different. So. Yeah. Great. One more question, because it's five to... Oh, two. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, as I said at the beginning, this is, you know, this is simply my evolutionary journey and the music that I've loved and inspired. And I've been lucky that the, the music that I've naturally listened to and been inspired by growing up is the, the sound that our church enjoys worshipping too and different church communities will have diff completely different sounds so the last thing I think any of us in Trent would want you to do is you know to say that you must sound like Trent and function as we do and that whole you know white boys rock thing and homogenization of worship music just all being this thing we're not sort of saying that at all this just happens to be genuinely we are white boys who like rock and that's the music and journey that we've been on and, and our church community. And if your church community is completely different, then the last thing you want to try and do is to impose this style of worship music and my style of playing into that. You know, if you're in a, a jazz fusion context or if you're in a, a gospel, uh, you know, black Pentecostal church context, it would be completely different styles of music and playing that are needed. So it's finding that, that fit. Let's Yeah, just I never particularly encountered it, really. I mean, I've got good quality cabling. They're, all the pedals are out of sync. So, I mean, this is, you know, that's... Is that all on? So, I mean, that's... That's the noise. That's with... That's with the highest... There we go. <laughs> but that's but yeah I've just not encountered that to be honest actually okay well thank you very much for turning out I hope that's uh, just inspired you to you know pick up an electric guitar be a better guitar player in worship and if you've got any questions then come see me we need to shoot off fairly quickly for setting up but I'll be around for a few minutes so thanks very much